All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. If you gamble, use your game sense. Stay within your limit. Go to gamesense.ab.ca and learn more. Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm excellent. Who, um, who first called you Dennis the Menace? Uh, who did call me Dennis the Menace? Uh, I don't know who it was. It probably didn't end well, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Dad, you were, know. you know, you, you had... Probably in, probably in elementary, I'd say. So. Oh, okay. Oh, really? The young I age. was, I was a bit of a menace. So that was the easy one, right? Cartoon, okay. animated, the whole bit. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, you, uh, is it safe to say, Dennis, that, uh... Um, you were a guy that, uh, you know, the physical part of hockey and the game, you know, came natural to you, you know, from a young age. Yeah, I don't know. I guys, I can't explain it. I tried to, my dad, my mom and dad asked me one time, one time what, what is wrong with you? I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> when I tie my skates up and I put that knot in, I'm just, that's just me. I don't know. I just, I want to protect my teammates. That's what I do. But I kind of knew where I was as a player. I wasn't a great player. I wasn't a bad player. You know what I mean? Skating had to improve, but. My way in the door was playing rough and tough. And I listen, if I had to did it a few times and lost, I probably wouldn't have did it anymore. I did it a few times and I won. So I keep doing it, right? Yeah. And the good Lord upstairs kind of kind of looked over me and helped me out. And, you know, so and away I went. But uh, I think that's the easiest way. Like when you start, you're like, okay, I'll try this. It's kind of intriguing. I like to do it, but you better do well or all of a sudden it gets old pretty quick, I think. Yeah, and I was actually even referring to more like in minor hockey, just being a physical player, not not fisticuffs. Like, um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I don't know. When they started checking, and you know, I picked the biggest guy out and hit him as hard as I could until I knocked him down. 
I know that sounds good. That's just the way I was. I was really rugged. I really, you know, initiated contact, stuff like that. That's just the way I like to play. That was my personality, I guess. Bonds, <clears throat> really happy you joined us here. Um, you know, I was really fortunate and lucky to have you in the lineup and played with you in the American League, played with you in the NHL. And, you know, I know the respect that you got and allowed a lot of other guys to play and feel very comfortable out there. Looking at your penalty minutes here, um, 522 in Hamilton. I was there with that, there with you that year. Yeah. What, what what do you remember about that? I mean, I, I, I watched you. It's not like people, you know, when asked me, you know, who was the toughest player you, you played with or played against and you by far, you know, there's obviously LaRock has done very well for himself, but the scary thing, and you just touched on it was that you love fighting. There was no one like a lot of guys did it, didn't really love it, but you, I found that you generally just loved fighting and 522 yeah. pims. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Brown, you were a great teammate, my friend. People should know that. We were really good. I'm glad you reached out to me. And we had a couple little scraps or so. It wasn't much. Kind of just hugged each other a little bit. But, you know. Me, I, a lot I, of I hugged hug you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, hey, no, I'm, not, I'm here today both, because I made good ways. choices. It goes both ways. It's all good, buddy. No, 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 no. <laughs> not, listen, I was not no killer. I, I Listen, I was fearless. You were you were the same way. Listen, like, you just do what you do to keep you in the lineup, to keep you you know, representing your team and, and representing yourself. And I did that. Listen, I played with George LaRock and he's a friend of mine and George is as tough as they come. No doubt. I don't think he loved doing it. Yeah. I think he did it and he was really good at it. He was so big and strong. Listen, I, I lost a few and I, I won a bunch if I wasn't, if I didn't, I wouldn't be here, but I was game. I just did it. Did the best, but I liked to play too. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I think I have like over 75 goals in American Hockey League and, yeah. you know, hundred games in national. So, you know, it's a game of breaks, as you know, Brownie, right? You're playing and you're, you're waiting for the coach to give you that opportunity to continue to play and, and, and like you, and, and he's got to stay there and you got to win. And there's all kinds of factors that keeps you around, you know, if you're, if you're a cusp player, yeah. you know, fourth liner or sixth, seventh defenseman. So uh, I was fortunate playing some good spots. Uh, I look at other guys that just got spot, got opportunities that I fought in the minors, did well against. They got opportunities up. They ran with it in the right spot and then played a long time. Congratulations. Uh, but, <laughs> That's just the way it was. But I love playing the game, as you did. You, you can say that. I love playing the game. I love being part of the game. And that's what kept me in the game. Uh, Dennis, you know, you, you played a long time in the American League and, you know, up and down in the National Hockey League. You know, your first NHL game, 1994-95 with the Orders, and then uh, your last one, 2003-2004 uh, with Colorado. So, you know, a decade uh, you know, in pro, well, more than a decade in pro hockey because you, you played in the American League, I think, until like 2007 or eight. But, yeah. um you know, you, we we talk a lot about the fights and everything, and you know, you scored the seventy five goals. But I was uh, before you came on, I was looking up, and I want you to tell me. I don't know if you remember the date or not, but February twenty sixth, two thousand and two. Do you remember that day? February two thousand two uh, in I, Long I, Island. That, that I scored my goal. Yes, <laughs> I was going to say that's. It's got to be because it was the only one. It's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that was like you had been up and down in the NHL. I think it, you know that was seven or eight years in the league at that point, man. And I know that you know. Well, it was funny when you play, and and like I go back to Brownie because he can attest to this. You end up playing fourth line, and you you know you're, you're always playing for another shift. I got up and I was doing well. I was playing with PJ Stock and Jamie Rivers on the line. We were kind of an energy line, so I did my thing. And, and I was getting a little more ice time. Robert Petrick was the coach, and he gave us a little more ice time, you know, more than usual. And uh, 
in my head, I'm like, I'm never going to score. I have to get a goal somewhere. How's it going to happen? I had a couple chances. But you know, when you go out and you go out in the middle of the second period, your first shift, and you're up beside whoever, I say, Ty Domi, what are you going to do? I, I know what my job is. you got to try to ask him or do your thing. So it's nice to get some shifts in early and play. So I, I was doing that in Boston. I was getting a little bit of time to play. And uh, I went down the wing, and I shot a slap shot, and it kind of dipped on Chris Osgood. And it went in, and I was like, oh, my God. I think I went by him. I'm like, Chris, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe I scored on you. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, amazing. And then Benny Ho comes in. He goes, what's wrong? I said, I've never scored the National Hockey League before. I never thought it would ever happen. <laughs> I, was like, hyper, I was, like, hyperventilating because you've been around a while, right? So I'm like, oh, my God. And you're not sure if you're going to get another chance, right? And I did in Boston. And then I think the next shift I went out and I fought Eric Karens. I had to get back in my happy place. For some reason. <laughs> and he was dying. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, let's do this. This is you know, when a crusher becomes a rusher, it'll soon become an usher, right? <laughs> uh, Dennis Bonvey joins us. And I, I love hearing that story, Dennis, because at the end, you know what? Hey, you enjoyed your role. You understood what your role was. But, like, when you scored, you know, how was the reaction from your team? How many of them knew that that was your first goal? Uh, well, I'm sure a couple people do, but they high-five me. I, I, you know, I, like I said, as Brownie, I mean, you try to be a good teammate and do whatever you can to, to you know promote yourself but to promote everybody else and make them feel comfortable so they were happy because it's unexpected right oh fourth line score that's a big time bonus right so and then they're like i'm like yeah that was my first one i hope it's not my last but it ended up being my last the one thing you did dennis is you know out of all your fights there there had to been an awful lot of them that you weren't fighting necessarily for yourself and you were fighting for your teammates and i remember one scenario where in the american hockey league it was my first year we were in rochester and if you remember I lost a piece of my finger when I was. Oh, I remember. <laughs> and so I have obviously had to leave the game, and I was in the dressing room getting undressed. And Lauren Mulliken comes in shortly after, and he's all fired up, and he's like, "Brownie, we're gonna get him for you." And I was like, "It, it was actually an accident for for it was yeah. on what yeah. actually happened." With Vaclav Verada, and I've actually seen him a couple of times. I think he's killed him in Buffalo or something. Okay, I remember, I remember that. I remember that clear. And uh, sorry to cut you off, and then he comes in and. Uh, He's telling him, you're gonna, you're gonna get him, and I'm like, don't say that because the game gets out of hand. You know what I mean? You're not. So anyway, Labay was in net. So you have Labay, and he was standing on his head. Remember, Brad? Yeah. I don't know if you remember you. And he was standing on his head. I'm like, oh my god, it's like two one. I said, well, we're in this, like we're winning this game right now. And it got to the third period, and we're in the game. And I just go to Lauren. I call outside. I said, Lauren, I'll get him. Like you just got to leave it. You can't talk about it no more. I'll get him. Yeah. But just leave it. So we had like a two, like a minute and a half left. It was two one. So they're trying to score to tie the game up. And uh, I just was a timeout, and I just said, "Guys, undo your chin and undo your straps to your shirt. This might get ugly here in a second. They looked at me. I'm like, "Just, just listen to me." And he wasn't on. And then we, it was like 30 seconds, and Jay Z come on the ice. He's trying to score, and uh, things, for lack of a better term, got out of hand quickly. Actually, how <laughs> it, was like, it was like a brawl? How, how like that was probably that was the toughest year of my life, right? Going from junior, going to pro, we had. You know, just dealing with the American Hockey League and how tough it was and going against kids and playing against men. I mean, we had a tough team. We had you, Bombi, Martin Latier, Terran Sandwith, Ferguson, like the uh, Jason Bowen, right? I mean, it had to have been scary for the guys on the tough guy on the other. I, I remember Rochester, they pretty much only had, what was his, Walters, I think was his name? Yeah, Greg right? Wallen did another little bit like and he'd be warming up, and there'd be like seven guys licking their lips we're to like, get yeah, it. Yeah, we're like, it's going to be a long night for you. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but can you speak to my first year, our first year in Hamilton? I love Lauren Mulliken. Um, How tough of a coach was he, and how tough were our practices? 
Oh, really good. But Lauren was a great guy because he loved he loved toughness and he loved you know obviously he had to play you know he wasn't a but he loved toughness and he 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 know he knew how to coach it for the most part. So uh, and he said when I got that that was a record about your five twenty two he goes he said in the paper he goes I don't know whether to congratulate him or kick him in the ass basically <laughs> because there's a lot of ups and downs during the year right you know yeah. basically like you know and and we had a lot we weren't we were good and we weren't good we're like oh my god we're gonna make the playoffs and we really got hot. But we had a tough team the whole time, and when you have a tough team, things things escalate during games. When you're not losing, they escalate. When you are winning, we play against St. John's, things escalate. Like there was a lot of tough teams, right, coming yeah. in here. Yeah. And, and so, you know, every night, and and we had guys doing it. You were one of them, and George Larac, and Trent Sandwith, and Jason Bowen, like you said, and Marty Latier, and myself, and it just goes they go on and on. And uh, it was a fun year. It ended up being a really, really fun year. You know what I mean? For all the ups and downs we had, it was a great year. I got to ask you a story because I'm not 100% sure how it went, and I think you were there, and it has to do with Link Gates. Do you remember the story of Link Gates? Was he going after George Burnett? Was he going after Bill Twilley? Were you there for that? I was rooming with him. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you fight him, Dennis? No, I went a couple times in practice and he didn't fight. But Link and I got along well because I think Link respected me and was a little bit weary of me as people were weary of him. But if you stand up to and I'm not saying a bully, but, he, you know, a little bit at times, then they back off. You know, they, they back off. So, uh, yeah, he was waiting for George on time. And I just guys looked at me. I said, I got this. And I said, George, he said, I'm going to walk. I said, George, you're not going to walk. He's right there. <laughs> I mean, like, you can't you can't do that. So I grabbed him, kind of pinned him against the wall. He's like, what are you doing, Bam Bam? I'm like, Link, you're not doing this. Coach, go ahead. You're not doing this. This is hockey. It's not WWE wrestling. So was he banging on the door? He was of, he going after the coach? He came back after the first period and had his gear on. He was waiting on the bench. He was going to get him. <laughs> For like, Every what, day was something. What, what was he so upset about? Oh, he didn't play or something. I don't know. He wasn't playing. It's a shift or something. Couldn't be, it could have been anything. He oh. just, his wires got crossed. And he got mad. Yeah. Well, he might have said, like, like, what are you doing? And, you know, he, Link had, you know... He had to watch Link, right? Like I got along great with him. I'd love to see him again, but like he, he had to watch him because he was a little unsteady in terms of you know certain things you do. Yeah, well, he lived up to his moniker, the missing Link at times, right? Because he yeah, would just yeah, yeah. He, it was like you mentioned his wires got crossed, and then, and then unfortunately after the accident, it was it was even worse for him because he was actually yeah, was. I think people forgot like Link Gates could skate, and he was a really good outlet passing defenseman. Well, that's it. When he came back to us, he was trying to get back. He had kind of partial paralysis on the left side because he, you know, he fell out of that car like they were going fast, and and he he had a bad bad scar on his head. So he was he was rehabilitating. You know what I mean? His whole body getting back, and he did a good job trying to do that. But uh, like and knowing him when he started, although he was a little iffy at times, like crazy, but he was a good player. So Big, bar- strong, tough, like could pass the puck. Could, like he, he had a chance to make some good money if he had it kept his nose clean, but he didn't. He just couldn't help it. So, Bonds, what, what do you think of today's game? You you watch the players and you know some of the hits, guys. You know are you know probably not doing a great job of being aware of the situation they're in. They're turning their backs. Guys are going following through. Um, seems to be more of an issue this year than ever. What what are your thoughts on today's game? Uh, I love the game. You love the game. I love the skill. I love the pace. I get it. I get it. But I still sometimes think there's a little bit of compete lost in the game, you know, and you're allowed to do it now because there's different rule changes. And obviously people want to take a sideways hit to maybe draw a penalty, whatever it is. You know what I mean? It never really used to be like that because there was lots of hitting. Now there's not that much. So when there is a hit, it's like, oh, God, look what happened. You know, everyone kind of reacts like, 
But before, like Brownie, you know that, he hits like that all the time. If it's a dirty hit, mm-hmm. it might happen there if the right goes on this. If not, the guy would address it later on and say, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not the way the game is now. And, and, and I think it's for the better, but there's a little bit of compete lost in the game at times, I, I believe. You know, in terms of competing on pucks and getting in and, and being somewhat physical, because I think that's a big part of the game that raises the ener- energy level, especially for the fan base. Uh, Dennis Bond. Yeah, I I, uh, sorry, go ahead, Dennis. No, no, go ahead. Uh, Dennis Bonnevy, our, our guest, of course, uh, most penalized player in professional hockey history with uh, over 4,800 career uh, penalty minutes. Uh, of course, uh, played a long time in the American League, played for the Edmonton Orders, Pittsburgh Penguins, the Boston Bruins, is now uh, a director of pro scouting for the uh, the Boston Bruins in his ninth season with the organization. And how has how scouting gone for you, Dennis? You mentioned kind of, you know, when you can find a player who plays with that tenacity all the time, like, are they more valuable than ever in today's game? You talk about maybe guys who aren't as hard as on pucks as maybe they used to be well and it's 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 hard to find functional toughness i call it it really is because the kids aren't really that's not part of the game so much coming up through the ranks right so you you gotta have a special personality and a special breed that you want to do that and uh, so there's some guys you know that are in on the forecheck and physical and and you know you don't have to fight the fighting is, is what it is if there's an out fight there's out fight but you got to be physical and, and you got to create energy that way um so yeah there's not a ton of guys that do that so so it's kind of nice when you see guys like that. I think there's, you know, usually some interest if you can catch them. Um, but uh, you know, that's that's where the game is at. And like I said, it's in a really good spot. You know, you know, guys are making lots of money and there's high end skill and high end speed. So it is what it is. But uh, that little bit of physicality and stuff is, is so. But it gets picked up in the playoffs, right? Coming into the playoffs, yeah. that always seems to get picked up, right? So getting out of hockey and, and trans, transitioning into scouting, what was, what, was, what was the challenge for you? What did you find the hardest part of that? I was really, guys, I was really fortunate. When I finished, I thought, honestly, I thought I was going to work with Pittsburgh at the time. There were some management changes there, and then, you know, uh, it didn't happen, to say the least, to make a long story short. It didn't happen, and uh, uh, I drove home. It was the longest drive of my life. It was only 10 minutes away, and I was like, what am I going to do? I'm done. Like, I could go back and play, but I really didn't want to. My kids were young, and I didn't want them to see that. I had a really bad knee. So I'm like, you know what? I'm, I think I'm done. You know, guys are getting bigger and stronger and faster, and I'm getting older and slower, so it's not a great combination. Um, so uh, I had some contacts, and I called many people, but I ended up, uh, I was in Calgary when I first tried out, and I got cut, and the GM at the time was Al Coates. And I had got to talk to him certain times in my career, and I talked to him in our final playoff round. He was with the Anaheim's farm team in Portland, and I sat out three games. I was talking to him, what's up? Well, I'm done. i got to figure something out. He ended up going to Toronto, and I called him, and he, and he offered me an opportunity to scout, which was, was wonderful, with Cliff Fletcher, Mike Penny, who I work for, terrific human beings. They're great. Uh, I started working there, and then uh, I guess they let go, but uh, there was an opportunity in Chicago. Uh, I went there. Mark Bergevin hired me, Stan, and Stan Bowman, and uh, lucky enough, we won three cups in six years, and then I end up uh, uh, moving on to Boston for a little, I'm not saying better, I guess a little more of an opportunity to, uh, you know, broaden the scouting scouting basis. So, uh, and I did that, and I've been there ever since, and it's been really good. I worked for some really good people. I worked for great organizations. I've, I've worked for three great organizations. I can't say anything bad. Uh, and pretty fortunate. But, you know, the nine months are they're busy. Nine, ten months are busy. The schedule's on. You're, you're chasing players. You're, you're getting viewings, and you're putting reports in, and, and you're having meetings, and it's, it's, it's busy. But, uh it's it's a it's a wonderful opportunity because you know you kind of set your own schedule for the most part and you can 
be home. Again, I'm in a good area in Wilkesbury, Scranton, where you can see a lot of teams, NHL and AHL, that we can drive. So I can be home. I can be home with the wife and kids, you know, uh, you know, in the mornings and, and, and for lunch and stuff, and then go see games at night. So pretty fortunate. Pretty fortunate. Uh, Dennis Bonvey uh, joins us. Dennis, uh, when, you, when you played as long as you had, and, you know, the, the American League was definitely way tougher than, uh, you know, even the NHL uh, went during your era than it is now. When you look back on it, was – who was not not necessarily the toughest, but who was the hardest guy for you to fight matchup wise? Uh, well, I don't know. It, it's an open ended question, I guess. You know, I've done bad in both five or six that I'd love to have back. I didn't think I should have. I made a mistake or whatever. <laughs> Got to give them all credit. But I've done that to a couple of guys too, so they probably say the same thing. It is what it is. But um, you know, God rest his soul, I fought Proby twice. It was, and then I played with him. He was a terrific, terrific teammate in person. You know, he played George LaRock, super tough, one of the toughest. Stu Grimson, Ty Domi, you go on and on and on. Gino Wojcik, God rest his soul. Stu Grimson, you can, you just and there was all kinds of tough guys. Yeah, even guys you didn't didn't even know. As Brownie knows, you're like, oh god, that was guy was really tough. And then the American League are guys that maybe just didn't get a chance, weren't as big and tall, or just not a great player. Poof, uh, you can speak. <laughs> they they were tough. Oh, you go into Philadelphia. You into Philadelphia in the old spectrum. I played there, and the next year I was in Wilkesburg, and I was by myself. They had six heavyweights biting on the end of the stick to fight you. <laughs> and they're yelling at you warm-up. And I go up to them in the first shift. I say, guys, listen, rock, scissor, paper. I said, I got two fights in me. I want them over by the middle of the second. Best of luck to you. <laughs> and out, and out, out they would come. You know what I mean? But, but when they focus on you, they're not focused on, on us. You know what I mean? So the team was playing, and, you know, they're chasing around. you got to be selective. But a lot of teams had that. All teams had, you know, around you could four or five tough guys, right? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. No, some they... were really decent players, some were, you know, you know, limited players. That it, every time you go out there, you're right beside you, like, oh my god, again. D- did you? Did you like? <clears throat> we all, you know, there has to be a little bit of fear. Like, how did you deal with the anxiety or deal with the anticipation of what could happen that evening? Uh, I, I know I don't want to be that guy to act like this, but it didn't bother me. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know why. Yeah, the odd time you like, oh boy, I, I mean, it might be in one tonight here. You know. Yeah. I didn't let it bother me. Not even till the day I retired. I didn't because I knew I had enough to hold on and hang on. Like whatever, I was strong yeah. enough. But uh, I just knew what I had to do. You know what I mean? And and I did it. And uh, I, I can't explain it. Like I said, the good Lord upstairs give me a you know. Where I didn't worry about because I know a lot of guys did. It bothered a lot of guys. They really worried about it. I just, I just didn't because I was. I guess you can attest this. I was a character. I'd laugh, I giggle, I have a couple of coffees, crack a joke with somebody, and then you go out and play. So yeah. maybe that would keep my keep my head off that type of stuff. Yeah. But I was also, and I got to give you know my best friend and my wife a lot of credit. I was married early. I was married at twenty three years old, and it was the best thing that I ever did. I always had her with me, and I come out after if I lost, if I didn't do good. She was right there and didn't really care about hockey. What are we doing? Let's go do something else. So it took the focus off of what you were doing. When you're single and you're not playing well and it's not going good, you know, things happen. They yeah. do if you don't handle yourself right. So I was fortunate that way. I really was. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So one last one intrigued me. When you said, yeah, I made some mistakes. Like in the, in the heat of the battle, when you look back, like what's a mistake that, that a fighter makes that the average fan probably doesn't even uh... notice? Well, you know, one guy, a couple guys, you reach, and they got a big jersey. You reach out, you go to hit them. You know, first thing, their arm comes right through the jersey because it's it's huge on the right side. Like that okay. can happen. First thing, you miss a guy and you throw a punch. You never should have threw that one. And I'm like, then you get flipped down. You get you know corked inside of the head. Be like, or you just go in and fight the guy wrong. You're like, man, why would I fight him that way? It happened quick. 
where I would always like to fight my way. Well, I'm saying it was right, but that was the way I had to do it where I felt comfortable. I'd square off, I'd get under control, and I'd maybe take a couple or I'd get in and I'd, I'd fight them my way. If I didn't do that, then I'm off balance and, and it just didn't go the way I wanted to. That's the way it was. Was there anybody that you truly didn't like where you're like, God, I want to beat the hell out of this guy? Nah, there was a couple guys. We keep that quiet, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, because they could probably say the same thing. <laughs> I, I, I try to be good to everybody because I, like, I want to treat people the way I want to be treated. I understand. like, But, you know, you, you know, verbally you're saying stuff and they're saying stuff back to you. I think there was a lot of respect on all sides for most of those guys. But there's a couple guys you just like, this guy just drives me crazy. So then, drives me crazy. You know what I mean? One last one, Dennis. So was there anybody that you were like, oh, my God, I don't want to fight this guy because you really liked him? Or you're maybe you're good buddies, and you're like, this one just wasn't fun for me. He's on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really want to. I, mean, like, well, I guess I got to do something. You know, you yeah. got to play and prove your worth, and we, we wrestle around. It was, it was what it was, and I love you for it. But I'm like, there's always guys you don't really want to do it. You're like, I'll do it, you know. But most guys... You just understand that's your role. Like I fought a lot of guys that, you know, maybe I'd have a beer later or later in the summer, I'd meet them. They were great friends of mine. But when things happen on the ice, things escalate and they happen. Yeah. After my story, man, they're like, ah, don't worry about it. It is what it is. I'm like, okay. Okay. Well, you that's know? great. But uh, it, it, it's a weird concept. I, I get that. It's, it's, but it's just, I think they respected where you were at and, and what you were trying to do and how you were trying to do your job, if that makes sense. Wasn't that always the best thing about hockey is you'd be out there fighting one day, going after each other, and then all of a sudden you're in the evening at the at the bar having a beer with a guy. My brother and people just never understood that. And I was like, well, it's just everyone's got a job to do. Well, I, I'd, be in, I'd be in Binghamton uh, in Ottawa, so I, and Brian McGrath was there, and Ray Emery, God rest his soul, and, and they're getting a little scrum, and I'm like, guys, settle down. They're going to fight. And all of a sudden I get between them, they drop their gloves, and they're cracking me. Both of them are hitting me. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, my God. And I got him John, Johnny Paddock was our coach, and he comes over, and he goes, what happened there? I'm like, I got hit about 10 times. That's what happened. I got hit. <laughs> so then we all go for lunch, and they're laughing about it. That's, that's, that's the personality. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what that's, you know. And Brian's a, he's a dear friend of mine. You know, we, we played together a couple times, and I helped him out. And it's all good. It's all good. He's a dear friend of mine. And one last one for us, Dennis. We really appreciate it. Um, as a pro scout, you know, now the next few months, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing it, it's always important. You, you do all your scouting reports, but do you find, like, the two months leading up to the deadline, is this kind of go time as a pro scout? Yeah, it's go time. And I think guys really push to see everybody, but I think your work should be already done for the most part. If you're doing it and you got regional guys that are doing it and you kind of like anticipate who's going to be available, who's really not playing well, who might be, a, you know, an unrestricted or who has another year left, but you think they'll move them, you kind of do your homework and you watch them along the way. Because I say this, when you're coming up to the deadline three weeks before, guys know they're getting traded, so you're going to go watch them. It's kind of an askew view. Like they're like, they're not going as hard as they can. They're not playing as well because they're waiting to get moved. You know, and they're like, they're kind of like, I put myself on that spot. I'm like, I think I'm getting traded. I don't want to go. I don't want to get hurt because I might get an opportunity to go to a contender. Does that make sense? You know? Yeah. So you got to do your work coming up there. Obviously, we go and we see players. There's no doubt about that. And you see them. But you got to, you got to, you know, extract all the good things they do and say, well, you know, he's probably not in the top of his game because he's. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves 
without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In a week's time, he could be somewhere else. Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome stuff, Dennis. We really appreciate it. Continued success. Yeah, I appreciate you guys thinking of me having on. Thanks, Brownie. You're a good man. Stay in touch.